it's true. He is ultimately what we have, all we have. Uh, it's amazing I'm able to speak this morning after the Duke game last night that went into overtime, and I won't bore with too much, other than to say I always heard that it's not crazy to talk to yourself. It's only crazy if you answer. So I have another question for you. Is it crazy to yell at the TV set and to jump around like a wild man at the TV set? Daniel says, yes, I heard that, Daniel. So uh, uh, anyway, God in his mercy, I do have some voice left. We are in Romans 8. We're going to look at verses 18 through 27 this morning. As we look at the subject of groans and glory. So turn with me there. I ask when you find that to stand in our God's honor as I read from His precious Scripture, His Word. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was... Subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Let's pray. Master, we come to you, Lord, groans and all. We're a people that know things aren't quite right. Thank you, Lord, that you promise there will be a day when they are. And it's all wrapped up in you. Without Jesus, it'll never be right. And I pray this morning as we look at this issue of groans and the issue of glory, that we'd be reminded without Christ, there is no glory, only groans. Father, speak to our hearts. Uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you. Speak far more than I could ever say. Open our hearts that we might hear more than we are able to hear alone. And Holy Spirit, may we hear from you today. As we continue this time we have called worship, may we worship. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, I know that was just a few pictures. You guys caught me unaware with those pictures up there of me. That was a long time ago. And... Uh, as a, a baby and a child and then holding my child. And just to be honest with you, isn't it amazing how years just go by? 
And I looked at that, and I was so touched, thinking, man, I miss my dad. Um, and then I miss when my children were small. Lydia's got us on Facebook. She's got a group of pictures called The Littles that shows all four of our kids when they were small. And uh, I love it. I hadn't looked at it lately. I need to. But there's this longing and there's this groaning for what was. That I can't, can't go back. You, you can't really go back. It's not there now. But I miss it. Sometimes maybe you, you know, there's a certain smell. And, 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 and you smell and, and it, bring, it takes you back years to a precious memory that happened. Or you, you see, uh, you know, a young family as they pick up their kids. Maybe your kids are grown. It takes you back. Or, or, or there's that memory that takes you back to mom's cooking or, or, or something your dad did. Or, or, you know, sometimes when I smell people in, you know, who, have, who have worked and they have grease on their work clothes, I go back to when my dad used to come in from second shift late and uh, there'd be that smell of grease where he worked at the, the factory he worked at. And I'd start digging through his pockets because he'd have vending machine stuff in his pockets. And, and, and you know, I'd go to that. And, and so there's that groan that we have for the past. But there is also a groan for what's ahead. There, there's a groan for what we will know, but not yet. It's, it says in James 1.12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because after he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life for those who love him. That he has promised for those who love him. That, so there's a head of us blessing. There's a, a great verse in Philippians 3.10 that shares the heart of the Apostle Paul. And here's what he says. He says, I want to know Christ. And, and, and for the child of God, there should be that deep longing, that, that desire. God, I just want to know you. He says, I want to know Christ, and the second one's no surprise, and the power of His resurrection. Just think of the thought that the God of the universe met our deepest needs through the power of the resurrection. As the grave was defeated and death is defeated on our account. And now there's hope. Because the resurrected one gives us hope of resurrection. And so it's no wonder that Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. But it's the third phrase. It's tough. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His suffering. Becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow to attain from the resurrection of the dead. What's Paul say? He says, man, I, I want to know Suffering, because it is in suffering that I'm able to see more clearly. Sometimes the other things in life divert our attention and, and our gaze and our perception. But when we suffer, it brings us back. It brings us back. Um, A.W. Tozer uh, had written a piece um, called God's Tools. Oh, and before I read it, I'll share this thing. Someone has said, and I think there's a lot of truth to this, guys. Let's see what you think. That a person who holds a bull by the tail learns a hundred times more than a person who hasn't. Man, sometimes life is that bull, and you feel like you got him by the tail, and man, is he throwing you around. Listen to Tozer's description of God's tools. The hammer, the nail, and the furnace. The hammer is a useful tool. 
But the nail, if it had feeling and intelligence, could present another side of the story. For the nail knows the hammer only as an opponent, a brutal, merciless enemy who lives to pound it into submission, to beat it down out of sight and clinch it into place. (laughs) That is the nail's view of the hammer. And it is accurate except for one thing. The nail forgets that both it and the hammer are servants of the same workman. Let the nail but remember that the hammer is held by the workman and all resentment toward it will disappear. The carpenter decides whose head shall be beaten next and what hammer shall be used in the beating. That is his sovereign right. When the nail has surrendered to the will of the workman and has gotten a little glimpse of his benign plans for its future, it will yield to the hammer without complaint. The file is more painful still for its business is to bite into the soft metal scraping and eating away the edges till it has shaped the metal to its will. Yet the file has in truth no real will in the matter, but serves another master as the metal also does. It is the master and not the file that decides how much shall be eaten away. What shape the metal shall take and how long the painful filing shall continue. Let the metal accept the will of the master and it will not try to dictate when or how it shall be filed. As for the furnace, it's the worst of all. Ruthless and savage, it leaps at every combustible thing that enters it and never relaxes its fury till it has reduced it all to shapeless ashes. All that refuses to burn is melted into a mass of helpless matter without will or purpose of its own. When everything is melted that will melt and all is burned that will burn, then and not till then, the furnace calms down and rests from its destructive Fury. Even our Lord, before the resurrection, there was the cross. God's work is interwoven through suffering, through a time of groans. In verse 18 of our text, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Listen to these words of F.B. Meyer. He says, if I'm told there's a rocky road between here and my destination, I know that every jolt is a reminder that I'm on the right road. So as we open up in our text, we see the groans. And it starts out, it talks about the groans of creation. So let's check these out in verses 19 to 22. And as we see the groaning of the earth, he says, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. First, there in that verse, groaning is temporary. It's waiting. Creation is waiting, knowing that it will not last forever. That redemption is around the corner. And then, I am so grateful that the end is not the groan. The end is the glory. That the suffering now, the groans now that are experienced lead to glory. It's, it, it's temporary and creation knows this as creation waits. <laughs> and there is an eager expectation. There is a, an anticipation of God at work. Secondly, it's a consequence. Notice verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Creation did not volunteer. Creation did not raise its hand and said, me, me, please, please make me suffer. No, it was subjected as, as part of sin entering, as part of, part of what we call the fall. 
is there was disobedience to God. And, and it was a result of, of the natural world facing curse. And, and it's important for us to remember that sin doesn't just affect the sinner. None of us are an island in and of ourselves, but what we do affects others. And creation was affected. There was a consequence. Um, third, groaning is a means to an end. Look at verse 21. That the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Liberation awaits. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. And we will be new. There is liberation. The grooms will not last forever. There is liberation ahead. That's good news. That's a message that we have. And fourth, it is universal. It says the whole creation. Not part of creation. But sin has, has caused there to be a brokenness in creation that needs to be fixed by God Almighty Himself. Turn me to Genesis chapter 1 as, as we go back and see a picture of this effect. Genesis chapter 1 beginning at verse... 29. Then God said, I will give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground. Everything that has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food and it was so here. There's a picture of nature unblemished. As what was shared was the vegetation of the earth. There, there was not this um, conflict between the animals. There, there was not this conflict that arose, but there was a harmony that happened. And, and, and these, uh, everybody was vegetarian. And then we move to chapter 3 as we get a picture of the fall. We come to verse 17. It says to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree from which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return the picture here is talking about the, cur the curse is not work. Somehow we get, some get the idea that the curse is work. You know, I've got to go to work. No. As you read through creation and, and when God set mankind here, th there was a fulfillment and a joy that was associated with work. It wasn't the work. It was the thistles that <laughs> associated with work. It is the hard part of, of the suffering that, that comes with work. Uh, you know, I keep thinking of that Peanuts cartoon Remember Charlie Brown and Lucy? There's this uh, picture of Lucy in one of the comic frames. And, and Lucy says, I love the world. It's people I can't stand. <laughs> there are those thistles that, that get in the way that, that cause that kind of pain. But there will be peace again. When He reigns, creation itself will be brought into redemption, into glory. But not only creation... Guys, I want us to look at how mankind groans. Look, as we come down to, we'll start verse 22. He says, We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, 
But we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. There is the groaning of mankind. What is, what is this groaning? It, it is uh, when there is the financial devastation news of a person who loses their job and there is a financial insecurity as they lose what little bit that they have. There's the groans of that bad news where you end up in the hospital with a devastating disease, where there's a loss of health. There is the groaning that comes when relationships are fractured, and it seems like there's no hope of the relationships being restored. And so there is a brokenness, and there is a groaning for that. But I listed it this way on purpose, mankind, because all people know the groan. All people know what that's like when we face that type of suffering. But guys, the, the sad news is that for those who are not part of Christ, those who are not a child of God, there's the groans without hope of glory. There are questions that normally come to mind where people say, why is there suffering? Why is that person who's a good person facing this? I don't understand. How could this happen to such a nice person? How could these circumstances... How could it be like this? There are those questions. There's the obvious groans. But there's no hope of glory. Now, this is where it's different. There's the groan of mankind. But within mankind, there's the groan of the child of God. You see, the groans... Do not stay groans, but the groans move to glory. Because beyond what there is now, there is Him. There is hope. There is heaven. There is more. Notice there in verse 23, He says, Ourselves, talking about the child of God, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. What's that mean? We have Christ. We have salvation. We have been set free by God and His work at Calvary by the most unconditional, unselfish act of love that has ever occurred has set us free. That's what is known as redemption. That is what is known as hope. And that's what he goes on to describe here in verses 24 and 25. He says, For in this hope, this hope we were saved, Hope that is seen is no hope at all. For now it's by faith. We can't fully see heaven. We can't fully see the blessings that surround us. We can't fully see God's perfect plan at the moment. And so he says, who hopes for what he already has? But then he goes on, he says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Why are we able to wait for it patiently? Because we've caught a glimpse of Jesus. And that glimpse gives us strength to trust him until it's fully known. Until it's fully experienced. Until it's more than hope. It's heaven. And, and that's what awaits the child of God. It's not just the mere groans. There's glory ahead. And, and that's what he's talking about here, guys, as he shares. Um, I like to tell the story because it, it, it just it's stuck in my mind so often. A church where we serve, there was a precious couple. Um, Hubert and Kathleen Orr. And uh, just a blessing to the church. And uh, They were an older couple. As the years went by, Kathleen, they called her Cat for short. And Cat died, and, and Hubert was alone, and he'd been married a lot longer than he had not been married. 
probably could hardly remember what it was like without Kat. And it was a couple of months later, I went by Hubert's house, sat down to talk to Hubert. I said, Hubert, I bet you miss her. Oh, yeah, I miss her. I said, I bet you wish you were here. He said, oh, no, no. I wish I was with her. You see, here, Hubert missed her desperately, but there's still a grind. But where Cat is, there's glory. That's what we're headed toward. Hey, when you get down, when there's a sense there's no hope, remember what awaits. The glory. The glory outweighs the groan. <laughs> the, the suffering is for a, for a time. It's, it's temporary. But we will one day be where we're meant to be. It's beautiful here as he goes on in the text. I, I love this section of Scripture, verse 26, 27. Sometimes you just don't know what to say. He says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. We've, you've experienced, haven't you? Words just aren't enough. All you can do is grunt. You know, (laughs) but in that grunt, God hears the spirit of God speaks, although our words are just so inadequate to communicate. But the spirit of God translates to the father. And and I love it here. He goes into verse 27 and he says, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. He intercedes for us in accordance to God's will, even though we have no idea what to pray, even though we're at a loss for words, at a loss of what to do. The Holy Spirit steps in and speaks for us. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Fanny Crosby wrote a wonderful, beautiful hymn that we sing from time to time. The words will sound familiar to you. Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of God. Born of His Spirit. Washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. That's a beautiful chorus. She goes on and and she says, Perfect submission, perfect delight. Now, Fanny Crosby was blind. So this next part really hits a chord with her. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture. Now burst on my sight. You see, at the time she couldn't see, but she said, I long for when I can see. For now, I'm submitted to the Father. For now, I will trust Him. I will rest in Him. But one day I will see. Angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. (laughs) He says, she says, perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. You see, in verse 27, it says that He searches our hearts. And He's the one who knows the mind of the Spirit. He searches our heart and then He intercedes for us. He prays on our behalf, all in accordance with God's will. And God loves us. Here's the thought. The greater the one, the greater the love. 
He's the greatest of all, and His love for you is perfect. And the glory He has that awaits us is beyond description. I love that in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, you know, where it says, uh, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. And remember what Paul said, he said, When I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, God works not because of us, He works in spite of us. Because for now, we're, we're groaning. But praise be to God when we can catch sight of the fact that we're headed for glory. Don't forget that. I close with this. Uh, from Gregory Fisher, a missionary. What will he say when he shouts? <laughs> the question took me by surprise. I had already found the West African Bible College students can ask some of the most penetrating questions. Reverend, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, Christ will descend from heaven with a loud command. I would like to know what that command will be. I wanted to leave the question unanswered to tell him that we must not go past what Scripture has revealed, but my mind wandered to an encounter I had had earlier in the day with a refugee from the Liberian Civil War. The man, a high school principal, told me how he was apprehended by a two-man death squad. After several hours of terror, as the men described how they would torture and kill him, he narrowly escaped. After hiding in the bush for two days, he was able to find his family and escape to a neighboring country. The escape cost him dearly. Two of his children lost their lives. The stark cruelty unleashed on an unsuspecting, undeserving population had touched me deeply. I also saw flashbacks of the beggars that I pass each morning on my way to the office. Every day I see how poverty destroys dignity, robs men of the best of what it means to be human, and sometimes substitutes the worst of what it means to be an animal. I am haunted by the vacant eyes of people who have lost all hope. Reverend, you've not given me an answer. What will he say? question hadn't gone away. Enough, I said. He will shout, enough, when he returns. A look of surprise opened the face of the student. What do you mean? Enough! Enough suffering, enough starvation, enough terror, enough death, enough indignity, enough lives trapped in hopelessness, enough sickness and disease, enough time, enough! That's what glory will be when our Christ returns. Enough. The groans will pass and the glory will be full. Let's pray. God, how precious is your word. Father, how sad that so many miss you. Have not heard how incredible your love is, Lord. We all know about groans. But so few you know about glory. And I pray, Father, and as we have gathered today to, to lift you up, because you're the source of that glory. Father, you're the one to be praised. All credit goes to you. Any hope of glory that we have is in Jesus Christ alone. And Father, we, we just confess that. And I pray this morning, there may be one here who knows about Jesus, but hasn't come to understand that he is the one, the only one that is the hope of glory. And I pray, Father, for anyone in that state, now's the time to say, okay, I need Jesus. Jesus, come live in my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, adopt me into the family of God. Jesus, turn my groans towards you that one day it will just be glory. I pray, Father, for that. I pray for those of us who are already part of the family of God, adopted through Jesus Christ. Maybe, Father, we have become so 
submerged in the groaning that we have missed the glory. Wake us up, God. Remind us, Lord, what awaits the child of God. And Father, may we live knowing of your blessing, reminded of your blessing, and remembering your blessing rather than as if we have amnesia. So, Father, we turn to you, and Father, you know the altar's open for those who need to come pray. Um, Father, for those who may need to confess before your people. Father, for those who just want someone to pray with, Lord, as I'll be at the front. Father, just whatever you want to do in us, it's about you. So we turn this time to you as we stand and sing. May we obey and come and surrender to your call. Perfect submission. All is at rest. Me and my Savior happy and blessed. Father, may you do that work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.